And when they had sent away the multitude, they took, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with them other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, and so that it, it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that, they, that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Father, we thank, thank you for everything today. Thank you for a, an awesome day you gave us in your house. Thank you for people that were in here that have never been in a church before this morning. I pray that you'd help us to be a lighthouse to those people and a help to those. Thank you, for, Lord, for family from a different state that can come in and worship with us and we can welcome them in. Thank you for all the other churches in, in, our, in our country that are serving you and doing what's right. We love you, Lord. It's your name we pray. Amen. Like I said, life isn't always smooth. So the question of the evening, the question I want to answer is, how are you handling your storms? How are you coping with the chaos? So let's look at three aspects of this, of this storm and the storm we call life and how we deal with it. Number one, we need to look at the trip. Look at verse 35, number one, the trip, and the same day that when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. We meet Jesus at this time with his disciples fairly early in his ministry. He had the disciples, he had been teaching for a while by this point, but he wasn't into the apex of his ministry, you could say. His disciples knew him to be a, a wise teacher and a good leader, and they, they knew him to be a powerful individual. He had performed several miracles up until this point that they had witnessed, and they come to a point where he had been teaching all day by the seaside, and he says, let's get in the ship and go to the other side. The disciples followed Jesus' command to the letter here. They took off and launched out into the sea, and they were obedient to what Jesus had told them. Told them. And so often we are in the same position. We make steps towards obeying God or his word. We decide to follow what God is telling us to do. And we make changes either individually or as a family that take us in a certain direction. We set off on this trip that God is guiding us on. Spiritual decisions are made like having consistent devotions or regular church attendance or building your prayer life. Physical decisions like exercising and eating right. Financial decisions like saving more or even giving more. And it could be just a decision to exist in a way that God would be happy with. Just working and living and keeping a godly attitude during it all. And you see, God has called us to live a life that's worthy of him. And he said you won't do it alone. Proverbs 16, 9 says, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Isaiah 58, 11, And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, 
whose waters fail not. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are two of the most famous verses in the Bible. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And whatever the decision, we need to be making, we need to be taking steps on this trip called life to follow what God has said. So look at the choices you're making this week. Look at the choices you've made this month or this year, or the past day or even the past hour as a family or an individual. Are you making choices that honor and glorify God? And if you are, so often this trip is disturbed by what we're going to call the tempest. Number two is the tempest. Look at verse 37. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Have you ever had a trip? You ever started out on a trip only to have something break down right at the start? How many have ever had that happen? Where you plan out something, you're going to go do something, and something breaks right at the beginning of the trip. Is that not some of the most deflating things ever? I think of camp, going up to camp just a few weeks ago. I was in the white van with Tim, and we're sitting there, and we're talking with some of the teens, and we're having a good time, and I get this text and saying, the bus is overheating, we're pulling off. We're not even up Wiggins Hill yet. And I just remember saying, God, you've got to get us through this, because we, we have almost 60 kids. We've got kids who've never been into church before. We've got some kids who are going to make good decisions this week, and we need to get up to this campsite. And I remember how deflating it could be when you start off the trip with a defeat like that. And see, the disciples take a relatively easy trip across the sea. It's said that the trip would have taken about two hours by sailboat. By the sailboat they had in the time, it would have been about a two-hour trip. And they didn't think anything could happen. These were fishermen. They wouldn't have set off on the sea if they knew something was coming up. They knew the sea well. They knew the weather fine and they decided hey it's an easy trip we'll take it across they were put at rest because jesus went down to the bottom of the boat and he slept and the storm arises out of nowhere and the boat begins to struggle but it's interesting to see the boat does not begin to sink and the application of that look at look at verse 37 and there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full but it doesn't say it started to sink. And it's neat to see because no matter the trials you're going to have in your life, God's still in control. No matter how hopeless it might seem, God still has his hand on the wheel and God's still guiding us. The disciples are beginning to stress because it looked as if the boat was going to sink. And you can count on it when you decide to live your life for God, the devil's going to throw a rock at you. Mark it down. You decide to make a choice, to make a decision, to cut something out, to put something in, and to live a life that's stronger spiritually, the devil's going to throw a rock at you. This calm little lake we call life, this calm little pond, Satan's going to throw a rock right in the middle of it, and ripples and waves are going to come out of it. These disturbances are there to get you worried, to get you scared, or to get you frustrated. And the disciples' fear obscured their understanding of Jesus. 
And that's what fear does. Our fear, our worry, our stress, all it does is obscure our view of who God is. Look at what they ask in verse 38. Carest thou not that we perish? They had seen this man heal people. They had seen this man teach about life everlasting and how he gave this life and how he's, he's come to teach them about this and how he's the son of God. And they see all these different things just in the short time, but they look at it and say, hey, do you even care that we're going to die? We look at that and we kind of, we kind of critique the disciples, right? Because we know the story. We know the outcome. We know what's going to happen. But what would you have done if you were in that position? I was, it was uh, Deanna yesterday. We were talking about she had a friend who was really struggling. And she said, I can give her all these different verses and know what to say and say, hey, have faith here. But she said, but would I have had the same reaction if it would have happened to me? And I started thinking about that most of the day yesterday. It's true. You can have someone come to you struggling and say, hey, I need help with this. And you can give them advice all day long and know, hey, this is what the Bible says. This is what to do. But if it was to happen to you, would you apply the same advice? It's always amazing to see someone in the ministry go through a trial. Because you can see if they practice what they preach. You watch a pastor or a pastor's family. You watch a missionary or an evangelist come up and preach on faithfulness or preach on trials. And then you watch those people go through that trial. And you'll see if they meant what they said. You'll see if they practiced what they preached. You see, they had seen this man do miraculous things already. They had seen him teach and do a multitude of miracles. Yet they allowed their current circumstances to dictate who Jesus was to them. And we often put God in a box and say, I'm going to rely on God when times are good. But when times are rough, the first thing we normally do is head straight to our logic. We head straight to our experiences, our logic, our understanding, and we try to rely mostly on that when God says we need to go to him. Isaiah 41, 10, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Matthew 28, 20, we looked at this verse. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. 1 Corinthians 15, 1, 15 says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is the all before all things, and by him all things consist. Matthew 34, 18 is a comforting verse. The Lord is nigh to them who are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Matthew, or Psalm 139, verse 7 says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the outermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. You see, our circumstances are not there to show us that God's inadequate, but to make you rely completely on him. The storm you're going through 
God's right there with you. The trial that's causing you to doubt, Jesus has not left the ship with you. He's there, he's able, and he's willing. So we see this trip is disrupted by this tempest, but then Jesus comes in and comforts them with the truth. Look at verse 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey? Jesus showcases his power in this moment, moment, and he begins to show himself and who he is to the disciples at this moment in an even clearer way. Notice the words he uses, peace, be still. He's talking to the ocean at this point. This word peace is translated to be, to be silent or to hold your peace. He's rebuking the wind, the Bible says. You see, the thing that baffled Jesus is not the storm. The storm was the easy part for Jesus. Isn't that awesome to see? Jesus gets up from his nap, goes up and is blown away, not because of the wind. That's nothing to God. But because of the lack of faith in the people around him. I was thinking of the tornado we had. Do you know that the, the biggest defense that we have against the power of God in something like a tornado is a hole in the ground? In all of our intellect, all of our technology, the safest thing we have against that thing is a hole in the ground. It shows us how little we actually are compared to God. It shows us how little we are compared to God. And the blessing about that, God is on our side. Satan doesn't have nearly the power God has. And God said he's going to be with us through it all. You see, the thing that baffled Jesus is, like I said, it's not the storm. That was easy. But it's the unbelief. You see, fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. Worry is the opposite of faith. When we start to get down and we start to get scared and we start to get fearful and worrisome about whatever's happening in our life. And there are things that are terrifying for us. Our health is a terrifying thing. Our finances can be a terrifying thing. I mean, I was talking to someone the other day, and they were talking about all these different things they're doing to stay in shape and be physical, and they're, they're taking all these different steps to live a healthy life, and it's taking up time, and it's taking up money, and the, you can tell it's their primary focus, and I want to tell them, I'm happy you're doing that, but that shouldn't be your primary focus. Because in an instant, that could be gone. In an instant, God can take that away. How often do we see people invest so much and put so much away, and then all of a sudden everything crashes and they lose all that money? They'd put time, they'd put effort, they'd put all this, all this expense into saving up and getting security in that and putting their security in that, and in an instant, with the choice of someone, that can be gone like that. We need to put our treasure in something different. Psalm 33, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Matthew 6, 34, take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You almost want to put that above your bed. 
sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. Knowing that every time I go to bed, hey, I don't need to worry about tomorrow yet. I don't need to stress about tomorrow or the next week or the next year or how we're going to get through it. God's got today. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hand. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you have an emotion of fear, that is not God working in you. Being scared, being fearful, being worried is not something that God puts in you. 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. When your life gets hectic and the storm comes up, the question is, how do you react? All of us know what trials are. All of us know what hard times are. All of us know the storms that you're going through right now. So the question comes, how are you reacting? You see, when we often, we often run to our logic, our experiences, or our understanding, when we make decisions based on what we know and think. And some, there's a lot of people in here who know a lot. There's an issue with something. I'm sure there's someone in here who's an expert on those certain things. But if we are running to our own human experience before we run to an almighty, all-knowing God, your faith isn't in the right place. You, sent, you see, remember to react out of fear. Remember to react out of fear is having a lack of faith in who God is. When you act out of fear, act out of spite, or act out of, out of worry, you are showing a lack of faith in who God is. So how do we handle the storms of life? Number one, here's the application for the, to close out. Number one, Refocus. You need to refocus. How many of you have ever been in such a difficult, stressful time and you don't know where it's going and you know the thing that pulled you out of it was you just stopping, sitting down, and putting it all back into place? Life is often like that roller coaster <laughs> where you get on and you're, you're jerked this way and that way, you're rolled around, you're you're thrown around like this, and when you get off, you're kind of still spinning, and the thing you need to do is sit down and let God refocus you. How do we do that? Well, number one, you've got to be in your Bible. I found living alone, I, I'm, a, I'm a social person. I like to be around people. On Sunday mornings, I like to be in the crowd, and I like people, but don't get me wrong, I like my alone time, and I've, I'm finding living alone, it can be a little bit, there's some difficulties in it. Number one, I go home and my dog doesn't talk to me a whole lot. I think some days he wants to say something, but it's never nice. But I remember going home and first few months there, I was struggling because I'd go home and the only thing I was alone with was, was my thoughts. And that's a dangerous place to be. Because we are, we're terrible human beings. But I remember the joy I have of living alone, knowing that I can go home tonight, knowing that I can, I, can make some, I can make some tea and sit in my living room and sit on my chair and I can read this and knowing that God is there. We need to be in his word. We need to worship him. 
look at the attributes of God that we've looked at in our connections class. You see all these different things that God is for us and worship those attributes. But then we need to pray and talk to him. We not only have an all-powerful God, we have someone who wants to have that relationship with us. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you unexpected end. Then, then they shall call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. And I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. See, when life gets hectic and the storm rages and the waves are coming in the boat, refocus. The disciples were focused on one thing and one thing alone, and that's we're going to die. They're using their logic to see this is going to sink, this is, this is going to happen. They're putting their faith in what they know, and they know that it's not a good situation for them. And they were focused so much on the trial instead of the person that can save them from the trial. And the last thing, refocus, but then ask for help. Ask for help. You're not, to, you're not meant to be an island. I remember hearing that in school and. No man is an island. There are people today that are independent people, and I'm all for an independent person and someone who says, I don't need the help, but we are not called to be an independent Christian. You might be a person that I can, you might be like Tom. Tom likes to do all this stuff himself. We've asked to help, we try to get him help, but you know he's not liking your help when he's walking off rubbing his hips. It's a tip for everyone. But we as a church family are meant to be there for one another. We are a community to help and carry the weight of one another. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another in so much the more as ye see the day approaching. I think we're blessed with a really amazing church family here. I think of that a lot. I think of how I can walk into this room on a Sunday and I know I'm going to be greeted with people who who are grateful to see you and they're happy to be here and they, they want to learn and grow and help and serve. I thought of the 60 plus helpers we had at VBS. The hundred and some kids was great for me, but the amount of helpers that came out and did something throughout the week, it encouraged me. Because I knew that Wes, myself, Laura, Mom, Dad, Tyler, Kenzie, we didn't, Wendy, we didn't have to carry this by ourselves. There's been times where we've come in and we're like, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. But our church has grown to the point where people want to help and want to serve. And we need to utilize that. So when the storm comes, and if it's not happening right now, it's going to. When the storm rages and the wind blows and the boat starts to look like it's going to sink, refocus on what's important and then ask for help.
and God will give you that peace. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the good day you gave us. Lord, help us to remember that you're in control. You've put us on a path and you've given us you've given us the way we need to go, Lord. And you're not going to neglect us. You're not going to say, hey, you you've got this by yourself. God, you're with us every step of the way. Give us the strength and the courage to take that and go. We love you, Lord. It's your name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.